Father, we give you praise. We worship and magnify you today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for visiting us as we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We give you all praise, Father. We magnify your name, for you are worthy. You alone are worthy of all our praise, and we press into you today. We want to hear from you today. We want our lives changed today. We want to be free today. Thank you that you've already done it, but we're taking it today. We're taking a hold of what your word says today. We're taking a hold of what the word has declared us to be today. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not yesterday. Today is the day of salvation, and we take a hold of it today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory, and we magnify you, Father. For you have created heaven and earth. And we come boldly before you in your throne room. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Well, thank you, worship team. We appreciate this. You might need to turn me up a little bit, Manasha. Don't switch off because the music stopped. I used to love that Matt Redmond song. Can't remember the lyrics for it now, but when the music fades, do you want to sing it? Hallelujah, that's it. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I never want to take it for granted, his presence. I want to never take it for granted, his word. I never want to take it for granted. I kept coming through on the prayer this morning. Never take it for granted. Hallelujah. Your presence is heaven to us. Your presence is what I crave. Your presence. The presence that he said would never leave us nor forsake us. You know that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Never leave us nor forsake us. <laughs> you cannot separate yourself from the love of God, it says in Romans. You cannot separate yourself from the love of God. He loves you that much. When he poured out that sacrifice, that Jesus on the cross, that, that man... God person that was placed on this earth as a little baby who grew up and was prepared to be the sacrificial lamb on that cross. He poured everything out in that presence. That time, that moment, it was all poured out. And it was just like when Jesus turned up in that throne room, it must have been like pouring out his blood and he just said, "This, it's done. The sins have been wiped out. Mankind can now come back into the presence of God. And when you come back into that presence of God, it's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. It's an exciting time to be in the presence of God. It's an exciting time to be in these last days of these last days when the return of Jesus Christ is not only soon, it's sooner than soon. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a joy in my heart because of who he is. Not anything we could have done. Hallelujah. Presence of God is so strong. 
here in this place. Hallelujah. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, today's Pentecost Sunday. Um, I, I used to laugh. Can I tell a joke? Am I allowed to tell a joke in the presence of God? No. My wife's saying no. The Anglicans and the Catholics, they have a church calendar, don't they? And it's like, it's, this is for this section, and this is for the next section, and this is for the next section, the next section. And it's all colorful graphs. It's, my friend put it up on a thing, and he just, like, all these different times. You've got Lent, you've got oh, Christmas, you've got all this. But us Pentecostals, we have three things. We have Easter, we have Christmas, and then we have Pentecost all year round. <laughs> because the, it's the, it's the fight. You know, when it, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers are meeting together in one place. Are we meeting together in one place? What, what does that take us away from that? We're here in one place. Hallelujah. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty wind. Hallelujah. And you know what? It never left. It never left. It never left. It's not left me. It's not left you. If you're watching online and you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, well, maybe today's the day. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let the fire of God fall in your life. Hallelujah. Well, that's my introduction. I know we've got some new faces in the, in the house. Welcome. You're welcome to the church. Welcome, welcome. Um, I'm not going to make a big deal about it, so just hi. <laughs> um, mainly because his presence is heaven. Hallelujah. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. We live that in that daily. I hope you do anyways. That's the goal. Sunday morning is a great reset. As one famous minister says, I'm going to preach every Sunday for the f next week. I'm preparing you for the week ahead. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to worry about six months ahead. I'm not going to worry about three months ahead. Let's just prepare you for this week. And this week is a week of Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Because that's what lives on the inside of us. That's what burns and bubbles up on the inside of you. That's what, what sits there. That's what God's sitting there on. And he's just waiting for us believers just to open our mouths and praise him. Open our mouths and glorify him. Open our mouths and do a little dance. Open our mouths and just worship him. Because Heavenly Father inhabits the praises of his people. And when he inhabits the praises of his people, he fills that atmosphere, electrifies it, anoints it, equips it. And you know what? happens when you're anointed and equipped, burdens are removed, yokes are destroyed, and there's freedom in the house of the living God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit living in your life. There's nothing, nothing short of it. Church isn't a social club. We're going to have a great barbecue on Father's Day. I'm going to get some nice, nice food in, and we're going to have a great day, and we're going to have a great social time. I'd say we'd play football on that pitch, but it's not been cut in a long time. But we're going to have fun. That's fine. But right now, it's time for Holy Ghost. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, 
<laughs> I'm going to re- quickly say a few words before we receive our offering. We, we always receive an offering every Sunday, thank God. Uh, generous givers in the house, and we, we love that. But I just wanted to remind us, really, I love when he does that. He just turns the pads off. He just, I never, I'm never prepared for it. So like, ooh, it's gone quiet. Um, I wanted to remind us that how, how really abundant our God is. And when you have a, a father, and you, you know this because I, I live in Southport, and you see the BMWs drive past, the, the things, and, and there's a 17-year-old, 18-year-old driving these really nice cars. And we just think, hmm. I don't think you've done a day of work in your life to be able to afford that car. He's got rich parents. It's obvious when your dad's rich. It's obvious when your dad's an abundant dad. If you're, if you're a, 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 what did Jesus say? Your father knows, you as a human father know how to give good gifts to your kids. So my God is an abundant God. And not only does he want to bless you spiritually, he wants to bless you spiritually in your soul and in your body. And I thank God that what we do when we receive finances in the kingdom of God, it's a connection point, isn't it? It's a release of your what you've taken time to earn and to put into the kingdom of God. And it's a wonderful opportunity for people. If you're new here, that's obviously there's no pressure on you to do anything. You don't have to, no one has to give in here. I don't, to be honest with you, I wouldn't expect anyone to. But when you do, you're connecting to something bigger than yourself. And it flows freely. And God wants to bless you. And what I wrote down here, God is an abundant God. God is an abundant provider. God has put everything in you to operate in abundance. Amen. Something that, um, I don't know if anyone's heard of the Dakes Bible. The Dakes Bible is, uh, uh, he's a Pentecostal researcher guy. He was, I can't remember the, when he was born and all that kind of stuff. It was early 1900s. But he wrote this amazing Bible that just exploded everything. If you look, if you buy one, it's well worth buying one because his notes on everything are amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a preacher's dream, really, because he actually writes thousands of sermons that you could just flip. Yeah, I think the idea behind it was that in the back in the day when people traveled, they used to take all these books with them. They used to take all this stuff. So he wanted to write a Bible that had everything in it that a, a traveler preacher could take with him and he wrote this about about the patriarchs who's the patriarchs Abraham Isaac Jacob he wrote this Abraham was very rich amen (laughs) I'm glad people are getting hold of that one Abraham was very rich who's our father do I have to sing the song father Abraham had many sons Many sons and father Abraham, and you and you. So <laughs> I'm glad. See, I've got a professional choir on the on the go here in this church. Hallelujah! Owning innumerable flocks, herds, and much silver and gold, as well as hundreds of servants, it would take a wealthy man to support 318 trained trained soldiers with their wives and children. He is called the father of us all. So if God allowed him to be rich. We need not to view our own prosperity as displeasing to God. This was written 100 years ago. This, was, this isn't something that was written 20 years ago to try and kind of fit in with what's going on. This was written a long time ago. 
Abundant life for body, soul, and spirit is promised every man today in Christ. It is God's will that all his children prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. And he's listed about 10 scripture verses I could go through. Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac inherited all that Abraham had except the portions that were given to his other sons. He added to his wealth all his days and was considered richer and greater in power than the king of Philistia. He became great and possessed flocks, herds, and many servants. Jacob inherited the wealth and the servants of both Abraham and Isaac other than the portion given to Esau. He also became very rich in his own right in Haran. As a token friendship, he gave Esau $97,000 worth of livestock. So that's probably a few million quid now if you do the work it out when this guy wrote this, saying that it was nothing and he had plenty more. If the old covenant saints could prosper, so can we. That's a challenge. I can't prosper you. But God certainly can. So as you sow your seed, you sow your offering this morning, Louise will come up and um, minister us in song that she's just forgotten, that she was going to do that, that she promised to me that she would sing a song. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Let's, let's turn the pads off. Yes. I timed it right. <laughs> it's been an interesting day today, right? Well, we're going to excuse the children. Um, if you're new to us, uh, we have children kind of service just outside um, uh, in that room over there. Um, you can keep an eye on them. If you want them to go out, they can go and just enjoy some fun. Hallelujah. Well, I do welcome you. If you, have, if you have joined us for the first time, I'm sure you'll get a welcome pack um, and things like that. I hope you um, can appreciate. I tried to dress for the weather, but the weather went cold. <laughs> I thought I'd wear a nice, like, flowery shirt, thinking that we were going to be baking in this room. Uh, thank God they didn't turn the heating on this morning. Um, but uh, it, it, hopefully you'll be nice and awake for the whole of the service. Uh, last week we were struggling towards the end because they just left the heating on and uh, I could see Kevin just falling off his chair. No? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, welcome to Faith Life Preston. If you're joining us online, um, it's great to see you. Uh, make a comment in the, uh, in, the, in the YouTube or the Facebook, whichever you're watching on, and, of course, share the broadcast. Um, welcome. Have we, have we had a good week? I'm trying to be uh, polite today, not to shout at you all. Oh. Have we had a good week? Yes. Blessed week. Hallelujah. Well, trust God with me. I have got a few notes, but at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to piece together what God wants to say this morning. I, I believe in a fresh word. I believe in uh, when the Holy Spirit starts to speak, he speaks with authority and with clear clarity. Um, and I just pray today that, that my clarity comes through, that you hear me clearly. You know, wisdom, and um, it says in Ephesians that we should know the hope of our calling. And we pray for wisdom, and we pray for understanding, to understand. So when, and I say this quite often, is that when you're preaching the Word of God, I could be talking English, and you could be hearing 
something completely different than I'm saying. If I'm t- having a nice conversation, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you, you know, you're talking about your day, Elson, how's your day? And, what, and all Elson's doing is sat there thinking about steak because he wants steak for lunch. Have you ever done that? Well, when the word of God's being preached, I don't want you thinking about steak, so get off of that, but I want you to hear what the Spirit of God's saying to you, not what I'm literally saying. I want God to impact your life today. I want God to change your life today. The idea of coming to church is, is, is long past having nice, pretty sermons that kind of hopefully get you through the day. This, the time that we're on right now, the time that we're in, that's been the squeezing of time, the squeezing of, of the return of Jesus Christ. There's the squeezing of things and pressures that's going on in the, this earth. And, and I'm not just talking about the economy. The economy goes up and down. If you're older than, and, than me, you know and understand that there are seasons that the economy just flows. It, it just one day it'll be up and one day it'll be down. So I'm not talking about the because we feel the pressure these days that Jesus is coming back next year. There's other things that's going on this, in this planet that is squeezing the time and the time is short. And if you're a Christian, especially if you're born again, spirit-filled Christian, you have a, an urgency on, on the inside of you. And what I want to tap into, and whenever I preach, is that urgency. That urgency to share the gospel, that urgency to act out what God's speaking to you every day. One minister said it this way, you wake up in the morning and you do what he says. That's it. Rick Renner, I've been listening to a Rick Renner kind of broadcast and he has seven things he does every day. And you know, they're really basic seven things. You don't eat anything until you've read your Bible. You wake up in the morning, you praise him. Things like that. Simple things. But these simple little things that you can do on a day-to-day basis will propel you into everything that God's got for you. Christians get hung up on things like giving and tithing, but really giving and tithing and all the financial stuff is really a small part for you to play to hook into your destiny. When, when a man died on a cross for you, we really have got nothing to argue about when God asks us to do something. And I'm not trying to beat you into submission in these areas. What I'm trying to say is that God Almighty has done so much in that, that birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, putting him on that cross and then raising him up into heavenly places and then, and then taking the next step. You know, he could have just left Jesus there and just said, right, okay, Jesus has done it all. You lot grovel beneath the power of Jesus. The name of Jesus means that you lot just grovel. And you just worship him and, and do, do, you don't get anything for it. You don't, you don't get provided for this. I'm just, I'm God and I'm massive and I'm amazing and I'm just going to beat you into submission. See, many people in the church have taught that, you know, Christians are a worm. You're a worm. You're just, you're a sinner. But Jesus didn't just sit on that throne room. He actually allowed us to connect into him through a supernatural connection and become saved and born again. And when you're born again, you're pulled from death and into life. It was as if you died on that cross with him. And then you were not only left in a grave, you were raised up and placed into heavenly realms, seated Beside God in Christ. The church of Jesus Christ has struggled to see the 
capacity that it contains. There's a great vision that I'm reminded of as I'm talking now. I don't know if it was, I think it's Tommy Hicks who gave this vision of this giant, you know, like you think Gulliver's Travels, just a giant tied up with his little tiny men and they're gobbling away and he wakes up and he doesn't, he's like tied down. And he can't move, he moves his hand and they all pull it back down and moves the other hand and they all pull it back down. But he saw this giant just lying. The giant was just lying and these, these things were just holding it down and, 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 and pulling it back. And every time this giant moved, these little things would just be scattered all over the, the country, scattered wherever they went. They were just like, oh my gosh, I know the giant's moving. And then the giant would just rest his hand back down and fall back to sleep. The giant is what? The church of Jesus Christ. And that when the giant rises up in all of its fullness and its power, these little midget-sized beings have got no power or authority. I described it last week as this, that the church is almost like an orchestra, and it needs to play in harmony. It needs to play playing its own instruments. My Uncle Di cannot play the, the violin that Elson can play, but he can play the French horn. He doesn't put his French horn down and then kick Elson off his chair and, and, and say, I'm going to play the violin. It doesn't work like that in an orchestra, and it doesn't work like that in the church of Jesus Christ. We play in harmony. We work, and there is somebody called in an orchestra. We all sit here and look at him. We all wait for him, and, and all the orchestra may be tuning up, and they'll be trying to find the, the right key for the violin to be in. They might find they, might find they need to adjust some uh, adjustments on the flute when they play the flute, but then the conductor will step up, take his wand, and go tap, 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 and silence. And this time is coming very soon that the church is just going to become silent and prick their ears up and listen for the conductor of the Holy Ghost to start lifting his wand and start to conduct the final hours of before the return of Jesus Christ. The glorious church, the giant who has risen from his slumber, the giant who will move forward into all the things that he's called to walk into, the bride of Christ, the perfection and the beauty. Not everyone will be perfect in that movement. Not every orchestra member has got its life together. But I tell you what they can do. They can play their instrument really, really well. And when the church starts to operate in these things and they start to play their instrument really well and start to perfect what they're doing and be so skillful at what God's called them to do and we start to operate in harmony, oh, the beauty of what the church becomes. There's been pockets of it. There's been times for it. Revival has flown freely in some areas for sometimes long periods of time. There are churches that carry the spirit of revival, that carry the fire of God, and yet there hasn't been a breaking out across every area and aspect yet, but it's coming. The sound of abundance of rain. When Elijah woke up, and he just heard it. In his spirit, he said, Ahab, the rain's coming. Go home. The rain's coming. Go home. Get ready, because the rain is coming. We're in those moments. 
those inkling of an eye, you know, like when we get pulled up into heaven and like a twinkling in an eye, we're going to be changed into the glorious beings that God has fully created us to be. That's where we're headed. And that's where we're going to enter into eternity. Crossing over from the natural into the spiritual. We're already eternal beings, thank God. We're already, that's why I could say he is never going to leave us nor forsake us because you're never going to die. Even if you collapse now, boom. If we could see in the spirit realm, you just lift out of your body like a suit and you just sit there and go, hmm, that wasn't so hard, was it? Look up and just go and be connected with our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. Hallelujah. Who are you going to talk to first? Who, who do you think has got the biggest queue in heaven at their, their mansion? Jesus, yes. Let's, let's ignore Jesus for a second. Who's next? I think it'd probably be Adam. Everyone will be outside Adam with a pitchfork. <laughs> you know, Adam's house with a pitchfork. But there's other people. There's like Methuselah. There's Enoch. These guys, Elijah, who, who never died. I believe the reason he's coming back in the book of Revelation is because he hasn't died yet. He has to die to go to heaven. Live his eternally. His body has to die. I, I don't know. I'm just conjecturing. Maybe I'm out of line there, but who knows? There's two witnesses. The two witnesses come back and they get martyred, don't they? In the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. Time's coming. Time is sure. Well, in the book of Acts, I want to remind you of the scripture verse we, we talked about yesterday, last week even. Gosh, Sundays are that blended to me that feels like yesterday. And he says in, book, uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, and he says, I am now bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And that's a really interesting phrase in my thinking, in my preaching, if you like. He was told not to go to Jerusalem by many people. He was told basically... Please, don't go. You're going to get bound up. You're going to get killed. You're going to get slaughtered. You're going to get sent to, to Rome. But Paul knew something on the inside of him that his assignment was to go to Rome. God told him to go to Rome, didn't he? God said he would be going before uh, uh, Caesar and he'd be going before and all that kind of stuff. He knew he had to go there. But people were prophesying and people were saying, please don't go, don't go, don't go. But he bound himself to what the Spirit of God was saying on the inside of him. And I think that's crucial. That's just my reiteration from last week. And we talked a lot about what God's got in store for us. And we have to bind ourselves to what God's told us to do. What God's communicated to. As a ministry, Faith Life Center Ministries in Manchester and Preston and Harrogate, we're bound to what God's called us to do as a group of churches, as, a, as one church with multiple locations. But we're bound to doing what God's called us to do, which is essentially to gather together as Christians, to grow together as Christians, and to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's essentially what we believe in for. We're believing to carry this word of God by the spirit of God into the uttermost areas of the northwest of England. We're looking to go into Preston. We're looking to go deeper into it. I mean, I love this, this location because it's just beautiful to look out of the windows and wonderful to look. But it's so close to everything around us. We were in Dunkin' Donuts last Sunday after church. I didn't have a donut. 
Am I lying? I'm lying. I'm about two. But we, it's only five minutes down the road. Preston's not far. Blackburn's not far. Leyland, Chorley, they're so close that we can affect a region by preaching the gospel with the Holy Ghost in fire. And I could really go off on that, looking at Jenny there with fire in, in her eyes. <laughs> because the fire of God is so crucial for us to succeed in life. To succeed. See, I, I just start thinking about it. Suddenly, the Holy Ghost came on them. You know, Peter was a pretty interesting individual. He cut off a man's ear because he was bravo, I'm going to do amazing things for God. I'm going to cut off a guy's ear. And then the next minute, a 13, 12-year-old girl comes up to him and says, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you one of those ones that hang around with that Jesus? You know, and he's like, no. He became putty in the enemy's hands. But only a few days later, filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost, he suddenly stands up in front of thousands of people and preaches the gospel. Hallelujah. Such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And suddenly the church has started to grow exponentially. The fire of God falling on an individual. The fire of God by the power of the Holy Ghost falling on an individual. Twists and turns and flips you upside down. My wife is generally quite a quiet person. But under the anointing of God, she gets rather brutal. And blunt. And powerful. And speaks to the core of things. I don't like it when she's got the Holy Ghost at home. Because I get dealt with. <laughs> But the reality is, is that people change under the anointing because that's what God's ability in you is to do. I never used to say boo to a goose when I was two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. I was a very quiet person. Now, I am naturally extroverted, and I am quite crazy, and I'm, I'm, you know, at the things. But generally, I have times when I could just, just not talk. But under the anointing of God, God wants to change and flip you around and twist you around. Veronica's a profound example of what she's been able to see change in her life in just a few months, just by coming out of her own shell. Now I've had to kick her up the backside to do it, give her a microphone and say, you're doing it. But I tell you, when a Scottish person at the front of the church is shouting freedom, you got to wake up and listen, don't you? Hallelujah. The anointing of God. And Paul was transformed by that. He was a killer, a brutal murderer. He was somebody who was on the, on the way to Damascus. And I love about the story about Paul on the way to Damascus. It's like, I don't think God gave him a choice. He said, he said who are you persecuting? What are you doing? Now, if Paul... Or Saul at the time hadn't gone, Lord, Lord, who are you? I think he would have been squashed like a little bug. Oh, but the grace of God, the love of God surely wouldn't have killed him. The love of God wouldn't have, wouldn't have killed this man who was persecuting the church. He would have loved him and given him a big hug and, and said, there, there, please stop doing that. You know, they tried that with Hitler. Then one of the prime ministers of Britain went over before Hitler got big. And said, hey, Hitler, nice to meet you. Shake your hand. Let's have a cup of tea. Let's see if we can sort this out. Did it stop him? No. 
because they got it wrong. They were dealing with him in the natural and the flesh. You see, if Paul had continued doing what he did, persecuting the church, many believers would have died and it would have created a movement like Hitler, if you think about it, because it's the same spirit behind it, the Antichrist spirit. The Antichrist himself has not been revealed in this land, but yet he will, he, he will be an individual, but there's a spirit behind it that is pushing to kill. And you see... The love of God, the grace of God. We want to have this nice, lovely, wonderful experience with the things of God. And we want to be patted on the back and say, there, there, there. It's nice to see you, Louise. Yeah, I know you shouted at me and you, you, you were really horrible at me. But there, there, it's okay. It must be something in your, in your childhood. It's, you know, maybe your childhood provoked you to yell at me. And we want to be Christians like that and hug and, and, and cry with people. And, and, all. and sometimes that's not what it takes. I'll tell you a very good example. A guy basically came up to the Apostle Peter and said, here's some money. I sold some land. Peter said, what did he say? I don't know. I can't quote it. But he basically said, did you now? Why are you lying to the Holy Ghost? Boom, dead. Now, I think Ananias and Sapphira could well be in heaven because they were born again, spirit-filled people. They just lied to the Holy Ghost and their time was up. Many ministers have died young because they've messed around with things they shouldn't have messed around with, so they died early. Because God cannot have a Christian operating in out of line with the word of God, out of line with the Holy Ghost in, to cause harm and pain. So why do you not think he would have squashed Paul like a bug if Paul had just rejected him? But Paul said, Lord, the first thing he said, he recognized who Jesus was. And he realized that under the anointing, that in the power of God, in the connection that he was able to reach up and grab as, as God himself was glaring down at him, as Jesus was glaring down at him and saying, stop doing what you're doing. He said, Lord, God. And he was saved. And then shortly after, he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then Paul went on to write, what, two-thirds of the New Testament. But he went through some wonderful stuff to get there persecutions, whippings, beatings. He paid a huge price to get us this book. A man who caused great persecution to the church was greatly persecuted for the gospel's sake. But without the fire of God, without the Holy Ghost living on the inside of him, I tell you, he would have fallen like many of us would because we don't engage on a daily basis with that fire. It's a question that we need to ask ourselves daily. Are we going to connect with him? Are we going to connect with the Spirit of God on a day-to-day -day basis? Are we going to wake up and say, God, what would you have me do today? I like to say this. I'm preaching at me. <laughs> Am I going to wake up? And do what it takes every single day to become a part of that rising giant. Awake from your slumber, Paul says. Awake, awake, wake up, church, wake up. You may be small, you may be few, you may be, but two or three gathered together in my name. I'm in the midst of these and you can ask anything. 
You can ask anything. God has been reminding me, you can ask anything. Ask anything and I will do it for you. Ask it. Abide in me. Abide in my words. And your words, the words that I have put in your heart will come out of your mouth so that you can dictate anything that you need. But what if I ask for something stupid? Or what if I get out of the will of God? Well, that's where it comes back to the fire of the Holy Ghost. There's a scripture verse in the Bible that says in Corinthians, doesn't it? It says, all the work that you take to heaven is going to be put on an altar and the fire is going to light up and everything that's not of God is just going to fall away. So you stay in the fire now. It's quite easy to step into the fire. The Hebrew children stepped into that fire already having a burning passion, knowing who God was. So it didn't affect them. If they had any fear or doubt or unbelief in them, they would, they would have just burnt up. But they knew the God who they served. Paul says, I know who I serve. And when you have a revelation of the power that's working on the inside of you, the resurrection power that's working on the inside of you, you have a revelation of who he is. There's something supernatural that girds you up and lifts you up. See, this is a message that the church doesn't really preach because the church wants to be seen as a weakling, wants to be seen as I don't have to do anything in my life. I don't have to do anything. It's all God. It's all you, God. But it's God saying, I've done it all for you. How much more do you want me to do? How much more do you want God to do for your life? It's about connection, you connecting to what he's already done. And that's not always easy because our brain gets in the way. Above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health. But it has a big condition, even as your soul prospers. Your soul is nothing more than your mind, your will, and your emotions. If you're an emotional person all over the place, you're going to struggle to receive things from God. If you're an intellectual person who relies entirely on intellect and figuring it out, you're going to struggle to receive from God. What did Jesus say? Come ye little children, be like that child. Be like that child at his mother's bosom. Just totally Trusting in the parent. That's who we're supposed to be. When my child comes up and asks silly questions and silly, just is silly and just wants to play and just wants to get his soft toys out and play, and I, I don't yell at him and tell him to grow up. God's not after us to, to be this super intellectual person that's so mature and so miserable that their, their face is, I'm a, I'm a Christian. He wants joy, love, childhood attitude. Now there are times of seriousness. Ananias and Sapphira couldn't have, it wouldn't have died if the, if the Holy Ghost isn't serious. There are times to be serious. When I'm laying hands on someone who's sick, it's time to be serious. But you know what? If the Holy Ghost joy that bubbles up on the inside of me, rivers of living water starts to flow, I will laugh if I lay my hands on someone's head if I have to. But I'm serious about that. I'm serious about yielding to the things of God. I'm serious about the power of God being manifest in this, in the, this place, in the midst of the believers, in the midst of, of, of children, in, in the kids' room. I want the kids to be so fired up on the Holy Ghost that they come back here and pray for us, and we all go, whoa, time's coming. That, those things will happen. 
but it's a seriousness. It's a supernatural connection to the fire of God, the Spirit of God living on the inside of you that will never leave you nor forsake you. First Timothy verse four verse six. I caught this caught me when I was reading, I think it was yesterday or the day before. First Timothy four verse six, the second half of it says this. I'll read the whole, whole thing just to give you some context. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you'll be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus. But listen to what he says here. One who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. One who is nourished by the message. Fueled by the message. Made healthy by the methods of the MEV version says, nourished by the words of faith and of good doctrine. So when you bring in the word of the living God, it nourishes you. The fire lights you up and gives you some zing. Have you ever had Red Bull? It gives you wings. Well, the Holy Ghost will give you far more than wings. The word of God living on the inside of you nourishes you so that you can contain and activate the, that fire. Do you see that? There's a connection between the Holy Ghost and the word of God. See, many churches like to go in one or two directions. Not many stay down the middle. Men, they go way over the top on the word of God. Everything becomes legalistic. You can't go to the cinema because it's sin. You can't do this. You can't do that. Then you go to the other side, and then you've got, I'm not going to give extremes in the Holy Ghost because people always get offended. But there's things that people just they get silly in the Holy Ghost. They just, they just, it just becomes fleshy. It just becomes emotional. And, and it, it's like those simple, simple songs, like a sloppy, wet kiss. That is a Christian song. It blows my mind. I'd, I've never heard that, uh, never thought of that, or I don't even understand how that got published. And anyways, but it goes so far the other side. Some of you are looking at me, you never heard that song. Well, maybe I'll play it later. Louise, can you sing it? No. <laughs> we need to be in the middle. And the middle of the road is a balance between the word of the living God living on the inside of you, delighting yourself in the word, meditating on it day and night, but then allowing the spirit of God to quicken that word to propel you into your future and destiny. The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost transformed Peter to being a wuss in front of a 13-year-old girl to standing up and seeing 3,000, 5,000 people saved. And they tried, the Pharisees tried to squash him. They tried to shut him up. They tried to stop him. And they told him, you cannot use the name of Jesus. Don't preach that name. But what on earth did he do? They just, all they did was went back home and said, God, hear their threatenings. Give us some boldness. The earth shook. The, the building shook. I think that's a good enough indication that says, well, if the building's shaking, you're on the right path. 
if the power of God's there and you're like shaking, the building's shaking, I think God's, God's more impressed with using the name of Jesus than keeping it shut. I'm no longer a slave to fear cannot be sung with a mask on. Because we are not slaves to fear. We are free. We are alive. We have got dominion. We've got authority. The connection of the Holy Ghost and you. The connection of the Word of God in your mouth. See, the Word of God, the wonderful thing about the Word of God and putting it in your heart, it's what you can do. I can't anoint myself with the Holy Ghost. That ain't, that ain't going to cut it, is it? I'm not more anointed because I do that, but I can pick this Bible up and read it. I love this psalm. It's the, it's the first one. It says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with the sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in every season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do because you're connected and planted by the river of the living God. Who's the river of the living God? The Holy Spirit that flows through you, rivers of living water, abundant life living on the inside of you, stuff that is just that you're planted by that because you're in this word. And when you pull off the word, you're pulling off the Holy God. It works together. Like salt and caramel. You wouldn't naturally think that works, but it, it's gorgeous. Isn't it? There's some biscuits at the back. I think the kids have nearly robbed them all. And there's two salted caramel biscuits left. My children are just finger light, aren't they? Hallelujah. But I love what it says. If you keep reading it, not, not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff. You see, have you heard that? You're worthless as a Christian. You're worthless. You're a worm. You're a sinner. It says here, the wicked are worthless. Scattered by the wind. I love what Psalm 2 says. <laughs> Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of this earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. That's what the wicked trying to do now. What does it say next? Let us break their chains. They cry and flee, free ourselves from slavery to God. Why do the heathens rage? I think it says in the King James. I can do a, a very a joke for my family. You know, those rage parties. <laughs> That's an in-joke. I'm not telling you why. <laughs> why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. Ah, I wish they knew. I wish, who, wish they knew who they were really slaves to. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And then in anger, he rebukes them. You see, the enemy may be coming against you every which way. Coming in, just, just trying to flood in. Sorry, I just get hit with, way, with Bible verses to read and it's just like, Sometimes I want to quote them. Sometimes I want to read them. If you fully obey the Lord your God 
and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all of these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And what does it say? The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter you from in seven different ways. So Deuteronomy chapter 28. So the enemy may be coming at you. You know, the more ways he comes at you, the more ways he'll scatter before you. Hallelujah. No enemy, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No tongue shall rise up against you in judgment. You will condemn. You are a success waiting to happen. Hallelujah. I believe in you. God believes in you. And the Holy Ghost lives inside of you to get it to come to pass. The success, the belief that you need to have is simply by pulling on that word and keep on standing. Having done all to stand, stand. Do not be weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap. Hallelujah. It's victory. See, if you come from a church background that, I mean, I grew up Pentecostal. I grew up in a Pentecostal Christian school, couldn't wear a hat within 500 yards of the church building. People would yell at me for wearing a baseball cap, walking past the church building, not in the church, walking past. The girls at the school had to come to school and go on their knees to see that their dress touched the floor. There was like strict rules and regulations. You had to know Bible verses before you did physical education. I, came, I had an interesting Christian upbringing to the point that Mr. Pello, I would have think he would have passed on by now, was, was deemed the Antichrist by many of our <laughs> my, my peoples because he was so harsh. I had an interesting year in Mr. Pello's class. He was very well known in trying to say the rich could not get into heaven because you know the eye of the needle is just too small. Where am I going with this? <laughs> but if you've had that kind of a Christian background, and to be pulled into an environment like this where we're sitting there going, you're, you're, you're great, you're wonderful. Veronica, we love you. Not only do we love you, we think you've got great things in store. You, you, know, you know what? Not only do you think you've got great things in store, that God's going to do great things, but you're going to do great things. Because something on the inside of you is bigger Going back to that Doctor Who analogy, you walk into that TARDIS, it's bigger on the inside. And then you come back outside and go, what? what? That's only a blue box. What? Oh, let's go back inside. It's bigger on the inside. That's who you and I are. Because I know that the capacity within you hasn't been stretched big enough. Because God wouldn't say, enlarge the place of your tent. He's asking for the believer to stand up and exercise faith muscles. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And whosoever has faith in God believes in their heart and speaks it out of their mouth will speak to a mountain and throw it into the sea. You will speak to a tree and uproot it. Why does Jesus talk like this? Because he's trying to get us to comprehend the power and the ability, the authority that he has placed in the believer. What is man, the angel said, when God filled Adam and Eve? What is man that he would, you would do this for him? 
What is man that you would create this planet for him? Why? And then, of course, it all went horribly wrong. But that one man, Jesus Christ, turned it all around. The second Adam, who can never fail, and has filled you with his very presence, his very spirit, his very supernatural connection, supernatural association, the people that you associate with, the people that are first and utter around you, the gathering place that you work with. See, when you're in a church that doesn't talk like this and doesn't think, you just, you just become a Christian who walks around hoping and praying that good things will happen to them. And then when it doesn't, it's, it must be God's will. That is the dead religions of this world who say things like that. That is the religions, the demonic religions of this world that say it's God's will. Everything in life is God's will. God's will for you is to be exceedingly abundantly provided for, supernaturally blessed, healed, prosperous, victorious, working with the power that works within you, abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Ask or think. Abundantly above all that you can even ask or think was, is the realm that we can operate in. We're scratching at the surface, aren't we? We're scratching at the surface. But there's coming a time when I'll finish this sermon. But there's coming a time. <laughs> Try to keep you awake, guys. You're, you're doing a good job. There's coming a time when that giant has to rise. And I think sometimes there will be Holy Ghost bombs dropped in churches to kick them up the backside. I don't want to be a church that needs God to intervene. I want to be a church that runs with what he's already doing. So that Southport is impacted. So that Preston is impacted. So that Lee is impacted in Chorley and Manchester and Harrogate and all the Northwest and the UK shall be saved. If you are someone who watches a lot of American Christianity and, I, and I'm, I'm big on that because I love it because that's where my roots are. I'm, I'm Canadian originally. They always say America shall be saved. Why don't we say it about our country? The UK shall be saved. The UK shall be shaken by the power of the Holy Ghost one last time. We have sent revival throughout this world. We have carried the gospel to the ends of this earth. We shall not go under. We shall not become a heathen nation. We shall not become a nation that rejects the gospel. No, we're going to run with the things that God's got for us. And we will see people say, hallelujah. Well. I haven't touched any of my notes. That's a slight lie. I read a couple of verses. Heavenly Father, as we close this service, we just exalt the name of Jesus. We thank you for our association and our connection with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the word that you've given us. That your word never changes and it never fails. But your word works. Your word works. Your word works. 
And we will be the believers that speak it with authority and allow your power to impact those around us because we are not going to go off kilter. We're not going to deviate from the path. We are going to run and we're going to work with the, the plans and purposes that you have placed in our heart, the plans and purposes that this city and this region need, that the energy of the Holy Spirit will en engage with our hearts and we propel it to those around us. God, I thank you that we are a group of people who believe. And if we're believers, then we see great results because our faith does not fail. And we give you all the glory and magnify your name. Thank you, Jesus, that the hearers of this word will engage their hearts and hear what is being said. Holy Spirit, just move through this place. Talk to the people who need to be talked to. Reveal to them the revelation that they need today so that this week becomes the most victorious, successful, and blessed week they've ever had. Even if they don't see it in the natural, that they're sowing seeds to seeing great results as we go forward. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Connected to you. Never separated. Never separated. Never separated. Hallelujah. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I believe we've had a word in season this morning. Amen. And God is speaking to his church and to his people. Amen. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church and he's coming soon. Hallelujah. Amen. The United Kingdom will be saved. Come on, the United Kingdom will be saved. Hallelujah. You know, there are many in this place and many in the church that have come from other nations to be in this place because God has ordained them to be here. Because we are in position to see this nation saved. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, to those of you watching online who joined us this morning, thank you for joining us. We love you. We'd love to see you down in the building. So if you're ever impressed.